If you have your Bible, stand with me. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Remember the context. Peter and John were walking as their custom was to go to the temple, to go to the synagogue, to worship, uh, to read scripture. And there was a man who was put there daily at what was called the gate beautiful, this ornate gate. And he was uh, a man that was handicapped, and all he could do was beg for alms and, you know, beg for money. And Peter and John told him, said, look, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And, and these early disciples, particularly these apostles, they had certain apostolic gifts that were special to them. Uh, Paul raised the dead. Um, they did the exact works that Jesus did. These men healed the sick, and they were, these were direct apostolic gifts, just like they were used to pen Scripture, gifts given to the apostles for that work in the transition from the Old Testament to the New Covenant. And, and that's one of the gifts you see at work here. And not only was the man healed when he stood up and walked, that was from birth, crippled, but spiritually he was washed and cleansed because then he was allowed to go into the temple, praising God, leaping and worshiping God. And so because of that, the religious leaders, a group called the Sanhedrin, which was made up of uh, the Sadducees and different, the high priest and their families. And so uh, they were the ruling class. The thing you got to understand about, about the way things were set up, the Jewish people were under Roman authority, the Roman government. However, they were allowed to govern themselves for the most part under Jewish principles and laws and so forth and so on. And so the high priest, the Sanhedrin, had power to just about put people to death. That's how powerful they were. <clears throat> and so they didn't like what was going on because this new thing called Christianity was challenging the status quo, was challenging their corrupt religious system. And so they had to do something about it. And so we pick up the story where Peter and John were put in the, in the jail overnight. Then the Sanhedrin challenged them on it, and they were discussing with these men what to do next. And Peter and John said, hey, here's the truth about what happened. And we pick it up in verse 12. It says here, salvation is found in no one else, as they're preaching and teaching this to these leaders. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And he's talking about Jesus in the passages before, in the verses before. And then he says in verse 13, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer anyone in this name. No longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in, the, in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges of what, basically of what you're going to do with us. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about that which we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can see in these two men and among others that because they had been with Jesus, they were able to impact people and the evidence was changed lives of others. Help us to derive encouragement from these men and to see the truth of your word so we're not just reading a story, but we're reading the Word of God. And it has spiritual implication and spiritual principles and truth that we need to apply to our lives even today. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we talked about five things. I'm going to give you those real quick, just as a review. We said that people who have been with Jesus or who spend time with Jesus are full of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's ironic. I preached on that last week, and then Pastor Johnny uh, for the men's conference, Johnny Hunt, preached on this about being full of the Holy Spirit. And he made a statement that I think we, we all chuckled and we all got a lot from, but we remembered it. He goes, You know why we need to be filled with the Spirit? Because we all leak. We all leak. In this life, we all have struggles and you know, and filling is something that happens daily, and we all leak, and we need to be full of the Spirit. And so you could see that when you spend time with Jesus, you're filled with the Spirit of God, and it's evident. So that's what we looked at last week. Number two, we said people who spend time with Jesus speak the truth. They were speaking the truth. Number three, we said people who spend time with Jesus are courageous. We can see their courage. They were saying this to the men <clears throat> who had sentenced Jesus to death. Number four, when you spend time with Jesus, it is evident to all. And then we said, number five, there will always be people willing to hear and respond to the message if we are faithful to, de to declare it. Verses one through four. People listen. In spite of <clears throat> what others were saying, people listen. In spite of the threats, people listen to the message. In spite of the current environment, people listen. Now, that's the thing we have to keep in mind. We live in a world where people are trying to say, don't believe those Christians. Y'all don't believe the Bible anymore. That's just a book of fables. Even in a day where the Bible says that people are always learning, people are becoming more and more educated, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They got all this education. We've become a generation of educated fools. And so, <clears throat> there will always be people willing to hear and respond to the message, okay? So, we pick up here number six. So, just a continuation of last week's message. Can you guys, there we go. 
been with Jesus kind of faith. I want us to look, first of all, at the evidence in this story. The evidence. What is the evidence of people who spend time with Jesus? Change lives that cannot be denied. That's the evidence. Change lives that cannot be denied. In verses 14 through 16, it's a, what are we going to do? He said, we're, we're, this man standing before them healed, there's the evidence. And they've performed, they've performed a notable sign that we cannot deny. The evidence of when we spend time with Jesus is that God will use us in our lives. You know, we studied today in Sunday school in 2 Timothy in my class about, about the articles in a house. And there are some that are used by the master for remarkable things. And the concept in that passage was to, to desire to be used of God for great things, for good things. And when God is using us for great things and good things, He uses us to impact other people's lives for eternity. And so because of our submission to God, and because we're serving God, God uses our part, whatever it might be, to help someone else come to know Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, somebody's life is changed. This man, his whole life changed. Think about it. Think about today. People who, you know, you have veterans that come back and they've lost a limb or they've, you know, they, they've lost an arm or a leg or or, or what have you, and, and we have amazing technology today to help try to give them as what they would call as normal of a life as possible, to get the ability to, to, to have some of their independence back and all that. But think about what life must have been for a person in ancient times who couldn't do anything for themselves and how difficult that must have been and then for that person to, in an instant, gain all those things that they didn't have before. Their life is changed forever. And in the same way, y'all, I know, I know the word, word cripple is now becoming an offensive word, but, you know, get over it, okay? Um, I mean, I, I've got people in my family who have situations, but... Sin is crippling to us. We're all handicapped sinfully. We're all full of sin. And within us, we're all broken and messed up. And we all need our lives to be changed by God. And when people spend time with Jesus, they're able to be used supernaturally to impact others. You know, just a moment of, of, of um, introspection to give you kind of an insight into what, what's really burdening my heart. I was, man, I was heavy burdened last night. And I thought about this last night. Why? And I'm not talking about just the men who came to conference. I'm talk, because we've got a lot of men that didn't come to conference that are godly men. But it's more about what the conference was teaching that I, was, that I was getting out of it. Why is it that some men grasp, some Christians grasp 
the totality of what God's trying to do in their life, and they become tremendously useful, and they get it. And some men, you can take the Bible and try to shove it down their throat in a loving way, and they still won't, won't get it. I'll tell you why. Because those men who don't see their need for Jesus, their desire for Jesus, those men usually, their lives have never been changed by God. Because when you're changed by Him, you're never the same. Ever. And that's the evidence we see. This man was never the same. And it was evidence that couldn't be denied. Couldn't be denied. There's an old hymn we used to sing. And in it, it, it asks the question, you ask me how I know he lives. Anybody want to sing it with me? You ask me how I know he lives. He what? He lives within my heart. That's the evidence. You may say that God doesn't exist and, and we can argue till, the, till we're all blue in the face and until, you know, until we don't know what to do. But I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this much. You'll never change me and tell me that God doesn't exist because I've experienced them deep within my heart and I'm changed forever. And I would hope that the evidence of my life declares that. Number seven. A been with Jesus kind of faith. Let me tell you this, people. The spread of the gospel is unstoppable. The spread of the gospel is unstoppable. In verses 16 through 17, they ask, what are we going to do with these men? They ask, everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in, this na in his name. <laughs> the spread of the gospel is unstoppable. It's often been said that the persecution of the church is what creates growth in the church. When Christians have it made like most of us do in America. You know why this church isn't full today? It's because the average person who claims to be a Christian in America isn't really a Christian. And, 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 and it's, it is not important to them. And I'll tell you, and again, I want to say this, and I want everybody, anybody who's watching who hasn't been able to attend, and we have some of our elderly and some of our people in our church who or not comfortable being in crowds, and I get that, and I respect that. I'm not talking about them. But I'll tell you something that, that this coronavirus uh, and, and COVID has taught me about, about Christianity, and that is those who were, who were nominal in their church attendance and in, in their commitment to God, they use this as an excuse to not be committed at all anymore. And the people who, who were committed to Christ and the things of the church. You can't stop them from coming. You can't. 
Not only do they want to come to church, they want to come to Bible study. Not only do they want to come to Bible study, they want to come on Wednesday night and they want to work with children. Or they want to be adult, adult youth leaders. Or they want to teach men or women. Or, or, or Then they want to come to some conference that you watch in some live event on television. And then they want to come to some Super Bowl party. Not so much because of the game, but because we get to be with Christians. We get to experience fellowship. You can't stop them from coming. And just like that, the gospel is unstoppable. And as persecution comes in and as they try to tell us we can't and as they try to tell us we don't have a right to and as they try to tell us that we can't speak in Jesus' name anymore, we can't pray in public, we can't pray on on midfield after a game if you're a high school football coach, like one coach got fired in one state and he hasn't worked in five years because after the game by himself, he would go stand on the midfield logo and close his eyes and pray privately and they fired him because of that. And all that did was create a groundswell of support for him and it caused him to go all on national TV and share his faith. The gospel is unstoppable. And these the members of the Sanhedrin didn't realize what they were saying fully, but man, they were laying out the argument. He goes, we got to stop this thing from spreading. You can't stop it. Persecution will never stop the gospel. It actually fuels it. Number eight, been with Jesus kind of faith. Notice we looked at the evidence, the gospel, now the dedication. We just can't help ourselves. We just can't. We can't help it. <laughs> How's the old uh, redneck way of saying it? Can't help it. We just can't help it. Verses 19 through 20. So they tell them. All right. We're going to let you go. But we are commanding you not to speak in that man's name anymore. Basically, they said, well, you got to be the judge as to what you're going to do with us. That's your decision. But as for us, we can't but help speak the things that we've seen and heard and experienced. In other words, it's within us, and it's going to come out. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can put us in jail. You can, you can threaten us. You can kill us. You can beat us. But we're going to keep speaking until... We're in heaven. Notice the dedication they have. As for us, we cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and heard. You, you, you just can't help yourself. See, that's the difference. People who are religious only, but they're not, they don't have a relationship with Christ. They're not Christian, but they're religious, you know what I mean? Going through the motions you know religion is basically man's attempt to get god to like him to get god to accept him and that can never happen christianity is god coming to man and being the sacrifice for us and then when christ comes into your heart you can't help but share it you can't help but live it you can't help being a Christian is not something you have to go, oh, I'm going to wake up every morning, I'm going to try to produce fruit 
oh, it's so hard. No, it's a natural thing. Now, you, yes, you battle the flesh. But on the spiritual side, as a Christian, you naturally move toward dedication and commitment because you can't, you can't help it. Think about this. Think about this. We got a pandemic going on in the world. And you, you don't have to agree with me. China unleashed this on our country and on the world. Even if you don't believe in conspiracies, it started in China. We all know that. And China could have done something to stop it in its tracks, and they didn't. Because the Chinese communists who run that country, there are about 700 families total, and everybody else, when you think of the billions that live there, are just cannon fodder for them. And they don't want to lose their power. But you think about this, and all the misery it's caused, and the life change for people, and the death it's brought. If you had the cure right now for COVID, you couldn't help yourself but share it. And you would be in a situation, I don't want to get rich. I want to help people. It's for free. I've got the cure. Here it is. You take this, or you experience this, or you take this shot, and it's done forever. What kind of person would you be if you wouldn't share that? But guess what? Most people, if they got their hands on something like that, they would, they would be like, They'd even call the fake news and, and, ask, and, and say, hey, I got something on here. <laughs> you know, Let's get this information out. Come to Jonesville Baptist Church in Newberry. I'll give you a shot. Fixed. Done. We couldn't help it. You ever have something great happen to you and you just wanted to share it? You ever have something crazy happen to you and you just wanted to share it? Now tell me if this is not true. Maybe I'm the only one and maybe I'm, I'm just narcissistic and I've just got to deal with that part of the sin in my life. But I think we're all a little bit like this. Something, those of you who are on social media, you, you experience something amazing and you take a picture or two of it. Guess what you want to do? You want to share it, right? One of our, our friends in our area, uh, grew up with, with Eric. As a matter of fact, I think Eric and Kelly are, uh, are taking care of his dog. <laughs> Brand, uh, Brandon, poor old Brandon, he's going to say, how did I make Pastor Corey's sermon? But Brandon Johnson, he lives in Anchorage, Alaska. From Newberry. And he went to work over there, and so he lives there. He's got his family there. He woke up the other morning, and he had a moose in his garage. He goes, this doesn't happen in Newberry. And then he takes his broom. Now, it's, it's a juvenile. You know, it's not a big old, you know, it's still big. But he takes the broom and he's trying to shoo it away. Like, broom, like, get out of here. Get out of my garage, you know. And, and he got just, this doesn't happen in Newberry. And you know what? He, he probably said, man, I can't wait to put this on Facebook so my friends in Newberry can see this. I ain't going to believe this. He couldn't help himself, right? For a good reason. I mean, just good stuff like that. But in the, in the same way, and I'm the same way. I, man, I saw a sunset this week. Guys, I'm telling you, I've seen it enough the last three years that, that I'm convinced of this. I know how Orange Lake got its name. I do. 
If you're ever sitting on Orange Lake on the eastern side of that lake and the sun sets, I have never been there in the afternoon where the sun didn't set and that whole lake turned orange. Beautiful. I got home, I started looking at these pictures. I'm like, I'm sharing these things. Man, look at this sunset. Look at the creation of God. This is all. I couldn't even believe that my phone took pictures. I didn't, I didn't mess with it. I, didn't, I don't even know how to doctor pictures, okay? I just put the picture just like it came out. Couldn't help myself. Well, in the same way for Christianity, when Christ is living within us, we, just, we can't help but share the cure. I want to give you one last thing. The foundation. People who have been with Jesus know who the foundation is. It's only Jesus. Verse 12. He's mentioning Jesus and he says in verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Oh, pastor, that boy, that, that, that's narrow. That's narrow. What about somebody who believes something else? Will you just take it up with God's word? I didn't say it. God said it. I'm repeating what he said, but, but he, he said it. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. <laughs> it's not Confucius. It's not Hare Krishna. It's not the government of the United States of America. It's not Biden. It's not Trump. There is no other name under heaven given that a man can be saved except Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. And He's the only one to live for and the only way. Men and women, I say this with uh, a heavy heart. but a bold heart. You can fiddle around with your life for years and mess around with your life thinking you know best. But you know, when you look at all the numbers in the Bible, numbers have meaning. Could somebody tell me what the number of God is? What is the number? Seven. You know why Danny Werfel chose the number seven when he was a quarterback for the Florida Gators in the 1990s? He's a Christian, and it represents God. Now, he wasn't saying he's God. He's, he was, hey, number seven. What is the number for man? Six. What is the number of the beast the Bible talks about that uh, will be given in the end times, and people will have to have that number either on their forehead or on their hand somewhere um, where it, you know, and some people believe it's going to be a microchip or something like that. Who knows? What is the number the Bible says about that? It's called what? Number of the beast, but what's the number? 666. Why? Because 
The number six isn't good enough for man. But that's all he can attain. See, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, whenever God was saying something, he would say it three times for emphasis. Or when somebody's saying something by God, holy, 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 three times is the Lord God Almighty. And so the beast comes in, the, the Antichrist, and he thinks that he's God. But he's just a six. He'll never be a perfect seven. He's a six. And so what he tries to do is, he's like, I'm, I'm a six, and I'm more than a six. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a double six. I'm a triple six. I'm a six, six, six. Even when he has the six, six, six number, he's still a man. He still falls short of the glory of God. And there's only one perfect one, and that's Jesus Christ. That's it. All men have been tempted. And the Bible says that Jesus was tempted like all men, yet without sin. He is the only foundation that you can build your life on. And if you choose to go the route of a man, you'll always get what six can produce. And that's short of God. The Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. So on your own, you can't get there. You can't. We had a message by pastor uh, jeremy morton about samson and how strong he was and even in his strength he was weak and the only way a man can be strong the only way a woman can be strong is to give his or her life to christ allow christ to be the foundation of your life and then build your life your house your life build your life on the principles of 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 the Bible and on Christ and Christianity. Everything else is a shifting foundation. I tell you, if you want to know if your roof needs to be changed, last, yesterday and last night should tell you. If it's old and it's got leaks, you, you found them. We got some rain. And in so is the same way when it comes to a foundation. You might build on a faulty foundation. It looks good right now. Oh, things are going your way, man. You got, I mean, they got a great job. You got, you know, things are flowing. You got whatever. You know, you got a great career. No, nice retirement. It's all looking good. But one day a storm is coming. And when the storm comes, You'll find out if your foundation is sufficient or not. And the Bible says that a foundation that's built on faulty soil, when the storm comes and the waves beat up against it, it washes it away. So a life that's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ cannot withstand spiritually the storms of life. You just can't do it. You're going to turn to something. You're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry. You're going to get cynical. You're going to turn to drugs. You're going to turn to alcohol. You're going to turn to sex. You're going to turn to something to fulfill you because you don't have a foundation. Peter said right here, here's the foundation. Salvation is found in no one else. He's the only way. He said, come on, preacher. There's got to be other ways. Either I believe it or I don't. 
You know, I, there used to be a bumper sticker that said, um, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I disagree with the bumper sticker. God said it, whether you or, or I believe it or not, doesn't matter. It's settled. It has zero to do with whether or not I believe it. Truth is truth. Now, when I believe it, then it applies to my life. And it has effect on me in a godly way. If I don't believe it, it still is applied to my life. But boy, I tell you, it's not something that I'm going to like. So, this should be the number one point out of all nine that I have. But I wanted to end with this. The foundation. The reason these men... could experience what they experienced, the boldness they had as uneducated men, as common men, as they would call them, the reason they were used by God in such powerful ways is because of the foundation of Jesus Christ in their heart and life. Trust me when I tell you this. If you don't lay the foundation properly, when the storm comes, you're going to come see a pastor, and you're going to want the pastor to fix it, and he can't fix it for you. You've got to go back and lay the proper foundation. And one last thing. I know maybe this doesn't go with the point of the foundation, but kind of the whole point of everything we're talking about, about being with Jesus. Every man, every woman's got to choose what they want in their life. You choose to live the way you want to live, and it's without Jesus, you're going to get what that life produces. But if you choose to lay the foundation properly with Christ, and for the rest of your life build on it, you'll never regret it. Ever. You'll never be alone. And the things that scare other people won't scare you. When I heard about the young man passing away, Wayne, 36 years old, hmm, heart attack. Started telling Penny, oh, man, I got to go get checked out then. You know, you start thinking about that. And then I started thinking, well, but I don't have any issues as of yet that I know of that's causing me to go have a heart cath done. And maybe, maybe what happens is I don't get a warning. And God takes me home. Was that such a bad thing for me? I don't think so. Pastor Johnny was talking about heaven yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, and he's, he works out, and he tries to eat pretty, pretty good, but he was talking about all you people that have just gone crazy about where you can't enjoy life, you can't enjoy food. And he goes, you, you know, you live whatever, and then you die, and you get to heaven, you're like, why didn't I decide to come here 10 years earlier, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a way to do that. Just eat whatever you want. <laughs> but no. But with all seriousness, again, I go back to what I ended with last week. The Bible says in Romans, if we live, we belong to the Lord. And if we die, we belong to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
that is comfort to my heart and soul. And I can go to bed at night saying, if I don't open my eyes up on this side, I'll open them up on the other side, and it's going to be awesome. Because I belong to the Lord, and you belong to the Lord. So, until then, let's be, let's be with you. Could it be said of us? Man, those people over there at Jonesville, man. You know, they don't have a lot of money. They, uh, their, their buildings are old. Always fixing air conditions. Plumbing's always busting, right, Jimmy? We always have something going on. Man, they got, you know, Fellowship Paul, that, that, that panel box in there is just overloaded, man. You put, you put a griddle on and boom, everything goes off, you know. Man, you ever been in their sanctuary? The, the place is coming apart by the seams. Look, look, we got, you know, plasters coming apart and all of that. Man, you ever been in their fellowship hall? You walk in there when the tables are pushed out, and, and even though that carpet is dark, you can tell where people spilled tea. But man, they may not have much, and their buildings are old, and they, they try as hard as they can to keep them up and to clean them and to do whatever they can. But let me tell you about them people at Jonesville. I know one thing about them. They spend time with Jesus. Could that be said of us? Wow. <laughs> I get chills. It makes me want to go spend time with Jesus so that other people can say that. Not so we can go, oh, people say that about me. That's a great thing. But that we can say, oh, my gosh. People can see Jesus in us, and now they can, we can glorify him. We can, we can point it to him. It's not about us. It's about him. And people are looking to him. And then it says in that passage that it didn't matter what they told those two disciples. The people were praising God because of what God was doing. Because they spent time with Jesus. It's worth spending time with Jesus because it will cause other people to bring glory to God. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that's living and alive. Thank you that we have the words of life that not only we can read and mentally assent to it, but Father, it, it, it marks our hearts. It goes into our spirit and our being. And we're being changed day by day. We're being washed by the water of the word. And we need it so bad. And thank you for that. Help us to be the kind of people who spend time with Jesus, meaning we study your word, we act like you, we live like you, we live for you, we deny ourselves, we take up that cross that you have called us to take up, which is to bring the gospel even in situations and circumstances that are difficult. Help us to 
magnify your name and glorify you through that. And may we have the boldness and the courage that Peter and John had that we could say, you know, I know you don't want us to talk about God at school. I know you don't want us to talk about God in the public square. I know you don't want us to talk about God at work, but help us to be like those men and say, you be the judge of that. But as for us, we can't help but speak about what we know to be the cure, the truth, the answer for the world. So guys, this altar will be open to you, men and women, boys and girls, to pray, to seek the presence of God in your heart and life. Never apologize for being a seeker to want Him. <clears throat> Never apologize for spending time with Jesus and kneeling before Him. If God's spoken to you about making a commitment, this will be your time to come. Come forward to me. I'll, I'll help you out. And we'll figure out what your situation is and do our best to help you and guide you. Whatever it is that God's dealing with you about, Settle it right now in this place. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As Brother Eric and our team leads it.